0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You You're a harsh man reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. This summer, we've been in a series on the parables of Jesus. And this morning, we're looking at a story that's known as the parable of the talents. This title reminds me of one of our favorite TV shows to watch as a family, America's Got Talent. And for me, my favorite moments in the show are not the actual performances themselves. Some of them are really good, some are really terrible, but for me, the part that always gets me is when the person on stage finishes offering their talent, whatever it happens to be, singing, dancing, magic, comedy, whatever, And then they're over, they end, and it's silent. There's that moment of silence where they're looking to the judges. It's time to be judged. They've just given it their all. They've offered their talent, and they're vulnerable, standing there wondering, what are they going to say? Do I have something valuable? Am I talented, or am I just deluded? And then... But it's time for judgment. A judge, one of the judges, it's most powerful when it's Simon Cowell, who is uh, the most critical of all the judges, when they say, that was amazing. You are incredible. Well done. And at that moment, the person just breaks down, most often weeping, crying. Some of them can't even stand, and they hit the floor overwhelmed. Why? Why such emotion? Because right then, in those two words, when the judge says to them, well done, two of the most basic and core needs of their heart and every human heart are met. It's the need for purpose, first of all, to know that we have something valuable, something of meaning to give to others. And the second, there's purpose, and there's praise. To hear words of affirmation and approval from someone whose opinion really counts, really matters. When they hear those words, well done, these two things are packed into these words, purpose and praise. I share this to start this morning because it helps us understand why Jesus told this parable. Jesus told this story so that we would live our lives now, in the present, in such a way that in the end, we would hear the words, well done, spoken over our lives. This is the purpose, this is the praise that every human heart longs for. As a story about our need for purpose and praise, this is a very important parable for the times that we are living in during the crisis and disruption of COVID. Because in this time, two things everyone has either lost or for everyone has been very disrupted. One, our sense of purpose. Many of us are just in a fog wondering what is my purpose? Some of us have lost our job or on furlough, and and it strikes the sense deeply of our purpose. It's our sense of purpose and our feelings of competency. Any competency that we had seemingly is all gone, because who feels like they're crushing it right now in this COVID life? None of us feel like we are worthy of affirmation and approval during this time. So I'd like to ask you all to consider here at the outset, before we jump into this story, something that God might be doing in your life in this time. It's something that He's doing in my life. And I want you to consider this question. It's what this parable was meant to cause us to consider. The question, am I living for the right purpose and the right praise? Am I living for the right purpose and for the right praise? In order to get there, we have to be willing to get into the story, to dig in. And to deal with the parts that are appealing and also the parts that are a little bit hard and uncomfortable for us so let's let's dig in verse 14 if you have your Bible and I encourage you to have this passage open look at verse 14 Jesus begins his parable by saying for it is just like and the question is what is it what is just like well Jesus is talking about judgment future judgment that's a topic For most of us we tend to avoid but jesus didn't this parable is right in the middle of four parables about judgment about the coming future judgment what the kingdom of heaven will be like when jesus returns and what this all means for our lives in the present so there are three things in this parable that i want to look at with you this morning first this parable it does this it teaches us a reality that we must recognize about life. Secondly, it shows us the different responses we can take to this reality. And then it gets deep into the heart, showing us the reason behind these different responses. The reason that must derive the response in order that when our time comes, we would hear those words, well done, spoken, over our lives. So let's look at this story. First, let's look at the reality of stewardship. Interestingly, our English word talent, it actually comes from this parable. The Greek word talenta is in this parable. But we have to be careful not to read the way that we use the word back into this parable. In Jesus' day, a talent was a unit of currency, like a cent or a dollar. A talent was actually the largest unit of currency in this time. In our day, when we use the word talent, we think of like America's got talent, a special talent, a special ability or gift, something that you would put on display at a talent show. But what do the talents represent in this story? I want to show you via a slide. So this really sticks in your mind because talents in the parable represent everything given and entrusted to us by God, which is... (laughs) Another way of saying everything we have and everything we are. This includes our special abilities and, and skills, things that we call talents, but the meaning is so much broader it's all-inclusive. It means our gifts, our abilities, our skills, our money, our resources, our experiences, the unique opportunities that we have in this life. Everything. So this parable is not about church or serving at church only. This parable is not uh, just about money and our resources, though it is about those things. It's not just about our jobs or our paid work. It's about all of it. It's a way for followers of Jesus to view all of reality. And I think also, even those who are not yet followers of Jesus, the reality holds true, that everything that we have has been given and entrusted to us by God. Now, we know this because Jesus told this story to teach how we are to view our whole lives in between is first and second coming not just a part of our lives judgment is not limited to one piece of our lives but to the entirety of our lives so the word and the concept that captures all of this best is the word stewardship i have another slide because i want this to be clear as well as we look at this story This story is all about stewardship even though the word isn't in the parable stewardship is when a person entrusts something they own to the care of someone else to be managed and used by this person in the same way that they themselves would manage or use it. That's stewardship. So the first thing that we see in this parable is that Jesus is teaching that stewardship is an all-encompassing reality with which we are to view our lives. And there are three aspects in this story to this reality. Reality, part one, the first part of this reality. This is the clearest part of the parable. We all have talents. Every servant, right, in this story was entrusted with talent or talents to put to use. And these talents were all gifts given to the servants by the master. We can pause here for a quick... Uh, point of application. And that says, all that we have in life has been given to us by God. It's not ours. It's his. And it's given and entrusted to us to put to use in the same way that Jesus himself would use it. Now, you might wonder if you're like me about this, uh, if you've thought about this, well, why then? Why doesn't Jesus just do the job himself? If this is such an important job, wouldn't it be so much more clean and efficient and easy and effective if Jesus just did it all himself? Jesus is all perfect, all wise, and all good. He could get the the job done much better than us. But why did the Master leave on the journey?
2: Jesus is saying in this parable, I will do the job, but I will do it through you. Every one of us is meant for a purpose greater than ourselves. This purpose
1: is a core part of the message of Jesus. As one commentator said, we are not only saved from sin, we are saved to service. We are saved to this greater purpose. A purpose that is far greater than just our lives and ourselves, but the kingdom purpose of Jesus. And Jesus came to give us this purpose. That's reality number one. Reality number two. So we all have talents, but another clear part of the parable is that we are not all given the same talents. Each of the servants was entrusted with a lot but each was entrusted with a different amount. So a talent, we saw this a few weeks ago in the parable of the unforgiving servant. A talent was a lot of money. It actually represented 20 years' worth of wages for the average worker in this time. So one talent was almost a lifetime of wages. The emphasis is on the significance of even just one talent. It's an enormous amount to be entrusted with. In contrast to another one of Jesus' stewardship parables, in Luke, it's a lot like this one, but it's different, in that each of the servants in that parable is given the exact same amount of money, ten minus or minuses. Here, clearly, the servants are given different amounts, and that's the emphasis of this parable. Each person has different opportunities, different gifts, abilities, resources. The master gave in verse 15 you see depending on each one's ability so we all have talents but we don't all have the same talents third reality here is that we are accountable for what we do with our talents there are two ways we should hear this uh, first is to put the emphasis on the word accountable and this is a sobering word jesus is saying that we are accountable for our lives we are responsible for the things that he has given us, for the purpose that he has called us to. Secondly, we must also emphasize the word are. We are accountable, so your life matters. But we need to also put the emphasis on the word are because we are not accountable for anybody else's talents. We are not accountable for talents not entrusted to us. At the end of our lives, Jesus says, at the judgment the right questions are not what did i accomplish in life was i a success in this life no the big question will be what did
2: i do with what i was given and entrusted with by god the reality that should define our lives
1: is not success then but but stewardship jesus says this is the reality we all have talents we all have different talents and we are accountable What we do with our talents. I would sum it up this first point like this to Jesus. According to Jesus, it's a great sin to believe that you and what you do doesn't matter. That's a false humility. Jesus is saying here don't you dare diminish the importance and the value and the significance of your life. You are given, you are entrusted with things that only you have been given and entrusted with for the sake of. Of the purpose that jesus has called you to and at the same time according to jesus it is a great sin to believe that what you do that you yourself matter too much and so that you live a life of overconfidence and pride jesus says don't dare overestimate the importance of what you do which will lead to overwork and constantly trying to prove ourselves he says don't forget It's all a gift. So that's the first point, the great reality with which we are to see our lives. Secondly, this story teaches uh, us not only this reality of stewardship, it shows us two responses as the story goes on to this reality. The way the story is told, it's clear that Jesus wants us to compare servants one and two and contrast servants one and two with the third servant. The first two servants respond with what? with faithful action. If you read verse 16, they were entrusted, and it says, verse 16, immediately the man went out. He went to work, and he earned five more. And then in verse 17, it says, in the same way the man with two earned two more. So two different amounts were given. Both responded the same. And as the story goes, both are given the exact same affirmation and reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. This is repeated word for word in verses 21 and 23 to both servants. Why? Why repeat it? It's because Jesus is clearly wanting to show here
2: that though they had different things to steward, they were both faithful. You see, both found purpose in the
1: praise, in the affirmation of the Master. Even though both of their lives had differing results. The Master wasn't focused on the results. He was focused on their faithfulness. And this is so important. When it comes to the search for praise, the search for purpose in our lives, we all get so caught up in comparison, don't we? We look at the skills and the resources and the opportunities of other people. We look at social media. We see the vacations, the accomplishments, and the joys, and what seems like the perfect life of other people. We get so caught up in comparing our lives to theirs. This parable is meant to set us free from comparison. Jesus is saying God will not judge us based on other people's talents.
2: So why do we do it to ourselves? In addition to this, friends, in, in our world, we are so obsessed with results. But
1: was the master obsessed with results? And we need to hear this. God is not looking for results according to this parable. He is looking for faithfulness to what he has given us. There's an old rabbinic um, story that's told... That gets us across so clearly. Here's how it goes. It says, before his death, Rabbi Zusiah was asked, why are you so sad, Rabbi? You've done great things. And he said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? Or why were you not King David? Instead, they will ask me, why were you not Zusiah? You know, this little phrase in verse 15, depending on our ability, it's so important because almost every person that I know has seen their ability decrease during this time of COVID. In all spheres and phases of our lives, we just don't have the same capacity. We feel like we're in a fog. This concept, depending on each Each person's ability, I think, needs to be applied not only from person to person, each person's ability, but from season to season of life for the same person. That's how God views our lives. He takes into account our abilities with the changing seasons and the challenges that we face. We need to do the same for ourselves. Hudson Taylor, he said something that I think gets this across so well. As a missionary to China. Hudson Taylor said, a little thing is a
2: little thing. But faithfulness in the little things is a great thing. You need to remember this, friends. I need to remember this. It so encouraged me when I read that
1: because it is so hard to make sense of life during this time. So much is disrupted. Our sense of purpose and our sense of affirmation, it's, it's all so difficult. Faithfulness in the little things is a big thing to our spouses, to our kids, to those closest to us. Now, that was the first response, faithful action. Let's look at the contrasting response of fearful inaction. This is the third servant. Now notice this contrast, how Jesus sets it up. In verse 18, it says, But the man who had received one talent went away, dug a hole, and hid the treasure. Now, you see verses 16 and 18, if you're looking at that, they are polar opposites. They're like the photo negative of each other. And that's intentional. Servants 1 and 2 went out. The idea is they went out into the world. It's the same word that Jesus uses in the Great Commission where he says, go out. They went out and they worked and they earned. The third servant went off. Different word, not out to work. He went off to hide and to dig a hole to put his master's money in." You know, we read that and we're like, well, what's going on? Why did he do that? Maybe he was upset because he had less, uh, he had one talent, he was given less than the other two servants. Maybe he was preoccupied with what others had been given that he didn't see, all that he had been freely given and entrusted with by the master, 20 years worth of wealth. There's a modern piece of art by a, an Italian painter, uh, that I want to show you I came across this. So this is uh, the third servant in the parable of the talents. And you see here in this picture, you wonder, what is he thinking? He's just looking at his one talent in his hand. And there's a sense on his face where he's thinking, why did I just get this? I was I was slighted. Why did the master just give me one? As he's there in the dark contemplating what to do. You know, as I've been studying Jesus' parables of judgment, uh, some of these parables as we've gone through this series this summer, something has struck me that I never saw before. In Jesus' parables, when he talks about judgment, his judgment is severe. Not for any of the things that we would think of, that we would put on our list of the great sins in life. Whatever that list of great sins is, none of those sins are the sins that receive severe judgment. We saw this a few weeks ago, in fact. It was unforgiveness, the sin of unforgiveness, that Jesus responded to in judgment. The parable after this one, the parable of the sheep and goats, it's how we treat the least of these. Whether we give a drink to those who need a drink, clothes to those who need clothes. And here in this parable, it's not for doing anything Not for acting out of accord with the will of God, that this parable uh, pronounces judgment on the servant. It's not for his action, it's for his inaction. Jesus says, the Master says, you didn't use what I gave you to bless and serve others. For this, you receive judgment. For being lazy, the word lazy there is shrinking back, timid, and unambitious. These are the two responses Jesus gives us to the reality of stewardship in this story—faithful action or fearful inaction. For the final point here, I want to get beneath the surface and ask, what's the reason for these two responses? What's the reason? What's the motivating reason for us to be faithful stewards like these first two servants? The most puzzling and difficult part of this story is really the most important part what is it it's the reason given by the third servant for why he hid and buried his talent it's there in verse 24 what he says reveals the underlying reason the underlying belief that will result in a life of inaction where we lose everything and it points us to the underlying reason the underlying belief that will result in a life of purpose and praise. So let's look at this, verse 24. Here's the reason for what he did. He says, you are a harsh man. You reap where you haven't sown and gather where you haven't scattered seed. He blames the master for his inaction. So there it is. It was his view of the master. It's what he believed about the master. That was the reason he did what he did. It's the reason why he dug a hole and hid the talent. So the most important question of all in this story is this. Is what the servant says in verse 24 true?
2: You see how he begins? What he says? Master, I know you. The question is, is that true? Does this third servant really know the master? Jesus meant for the answer to that
1: question to be the key to answer all the other questions we have about this story. How do we answer that question? Well, there are clues in the parable itself, but the full answer, to get the full answer, we're meant to look beyond the parable, to the full life and ministry of Jesus. Because in this parable, Jesus clearly means to represent himself in the character of the master. And so the key question is, what do I believe about Jesus Christ? What kind of master is he? Before we answer this question, we should not be too hard on the third servant because of this. Aren't all the masters we serve in this world exactly like what he describes? All the masters we serve in this world, they fit that description. Let me give you some examples. If your purpose is success at work, Your master is success and performance at work. Say you work hard for your own company for 30 years and you retire. And you get a watch and a cake. And you realize at the end of 30 years, who really benefited from all your hard work? It was the master. It was the CEO or the owner of the company. Who, if you weren't performing and doing your job right, would have dropped you. And fired you at any moment. Or, another example, if you live for the praise and approval of other people, if that is your master, what kind of master is that? Now, if you have any people pleasing in your heart, and I do, you know the answer to that question.
2: The affirmation and praise of others is never enough. Any criticism you get, it crushes you.
1: So you feel like no matter how much you work to get others to to like you, they take
2: everything from you it takes everything from you reaping everything that you sow these are harsh and
1: demanding masters every master we know in this world is like that what does the master in this story say in response to this servant in verse 26 he says and i think this is really meant to be read as a question the master questions him if you really knew me to be this way like all the other masters out there then why didn't you just take the talent put it in the bank and bring me back some interest." think Jesus is driving home the key question that unlocks everything in this parable, that answers all the other questions we have about this story, which I won't be able to answer. And let me put up a slide, because I really want you to see how this works. Here is the key stewardship question. Is Jesus like all other masters? Is He harsh? Does he take what is not his? Does he demand what we earn, taking from us? What is ours, what we deserve? Or is Jesus unlike any other master we've ever known? Gracious and kind, giving us what is his, giving us what he has earned, giving us what he deserves. The difference between a life of purpose and praise and affirmation in a life that is wasted, that ends in darkness, comes down to how we answer this question. Which one of these do we believe is true about Jesus Christ? The master of the parable, he gave a lifetime of earnings to lowly servants. He gave them a share in his work. And when he came back, when there was
2: faithfulness in a little, he gave an extravagant reward, and joy. Is that harsh? Is that demanding? The clues are in the parable. Wasn't it the first two servants who
1: really knew the Master? And their actions showed it. Their actions showed what they really believed to be true about the Master. And they were right. Their actions didn't earn the Master's grace, did it? No, it was in response. Everything they did was in response to their master's grace. Friends, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the main message of Christianity. The gospel is this. Our only hope is that Jesus Christ is unlike any other master in this world. He is nothing like what the third servant said. He is gracious beyond anything that we'll ever know. He gave his life. He gave us life. He gave us everything we have and are, and he gave us his life in our place, giving us what he earned to be ours, giving us what he deserved, his righteousness, his life, and his place in the work of God the Father in restoring and renewing all things by blessing and serving
2: the world. He deserves that job. We don't. But he says, join me. I've got a part for you in the most important work in the world. The warning in this parable is this. The greatest darkness is prepared
1: for those who hoard and hide what God has given to them and entrusted to them
2: to bless and serve the world. But the greatest purpose, praise, and joy is prepared for those who freely and boldly
1: use what God has given to bless and serve the world. Friends, Jesus is not a harsh, demanding master. He is the Lord who has given us everything that we might know our purpose, and that we might receive the praise we were created to have. Because they knew the master, the first two servants, they worked eagerly, they worked without comparison, without fear of judgment, just according to their ability. They were so bold and so free. They risked. They didn't
2: play it safe. Why? Because they knew the master. They knew the grace of the master. Friends, Jesus Christ is the gracious one. And he has called us to be stewards of everything he
1: has given to us. What did these servants get? They got more work. They got more work from their master and more joy in fulfilling their purpose,
2: and hearing those words spoken over their lives. Well done, good and faithful servant. My friends, let's be free. Let's see again what the Lord has given and entrusted
1: to us, in this, even in this time. And let's be bold. Let's not play it safe. Let's not hide in false humility. Let's be about the things
2: that Jesus has given us to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story.
1: As we listen to it, our hearts, uh, we find it hard to really believe it, that we have been given something so important, that it's a part of how you want to do your work in this world. But help us believe that. Help us release again everything that we have, remembering that it is yours, given to us, entrusted to us by you. And drive down deep into our hearts the belief that you are nothing like a harsh master reaping where you didn't sow. But you are the exact opposite. May we believe it. That you have given us life, redemption in Jesus, and a place in the work of your kingdom. I pray for us right now. I pray for the people of Trinity and the people who are tuning in as well. That you would help us clearly see how in this time we can bless and serve our neighbors, how we can be faithful in the little things in response to the fact and the reality of how gracious you have been to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.